Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in All the, the way the from Perth, I have Melissa Hadley-Barrett. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, how are you going? Good, good, good. Now, you, uh, you're the co-founder of the uh, Penis Project. You're also a, a clinical practitioner uh, specialising in men's health, I believe. Yes, I am. So I'm a nurse practitioner and a sexologist. Fantastic. And we're following up from Steve Jones because you know Steve, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, he um, actually sent us some of his poetry, and I've obviously talked to him a lot on the telephone about his recovery. And um, yeah, we've been playing his poetry because I think it really resonates how a lot of men feel after they've had their prostate removed. Yeah, just so, so a little bit of backstory. Steve came on the uh, station probably about four weeks ago and recited his poetry, and then we followed up with a poetry night. But uh, we're not here to talk about Steve. We're here to talk about prostate. Yes. <laughs> because it's one of those hidden things, isn't it? Women like to talk about their women problems, but men really kind of hide their male problems away, don't we? Yeah, definitely. And so I think that the reason we started the podcast, myself and Joe Milios, is because we found that we both see mainly men patients and they don't talk to each other about their problems. Mm-hmm. Men, if they have go through menopause or childbirth or whatever, they'll have a couple of wines usually and chat to their mates and we all know what's going on. But men don't do that. And so then they feel isolated and that these problems are alone. And particularly when you have prostate cancer, the kind of urban myth is that that's it, you're never going to get your erections back again and your sex life is over. And that's just not true. And we really want people to know that because I think a lot of men avoid diagnosis until it's too late because they don't want the repercussions of the treatment and those repercussions just aren't there anymore and there is a lot of ways to overcome them and deal with them so we just really need to get that message out and because guys don't talk to each other openly they don't know yeah there's a lot of fear there because of the ignorance isn't there 
Definitely, and I think, you know, there's a you read there's always in the newspapers about you know and everywhere in media about oh you know get checked for prostate cancer one in six to eight men will get prostate cancer at some time in their lifetime, but they don't then say the side effects to the treatment aren't like they used to be. So if you've spoken to your father or your brother or your uncle who had prostate treatment 10 years ago, his outcomes will be very different from a quality of life aspect than they are now. And so I, for me personally, the whole idea of the podcast is to hear real men's stories and find out that this isn't the end of their intimate life. Yeah, well, what I found out from talking to Steve is, you know, like even the... Uh the test for prostate cancer now is nothing what everyone thinks. You know, they think it's a, you know, up the bum or something, but it's not. It's just a blood, simple blood test at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a simple blood test that, you know, all men should be having from at least the age of 50 and earlier if they have a family history of it. Yeah. Now, it's not just cancer, is it? There's also other problems as you age with your prostate, isn't there? Yeah, so there's enlarged prostates and so... The thing that when you have an enlarged prostate, it's usually it's the outside edge of the prostate that gets enlarged, and that's when people have symptoms such as um, they can't wee, or they have hesitancy, or frequency, and all sorts of difficulties. They're up all night going to the toilet. Prostate cancer is on the inside layer. Sorry, other way around. Enlarged prostate is the inside layer. Prostate cancer is on the outside layer. So men who have prostate cancer don't usually have symptoms, and they're often shocked because. They go to the doctor, get their routine bloods, get their PSA done, and that comes back positive. And they're like, but I don't have any symptoms. Yeah. So no, when, sorry. No, you go, please. When you have symptoms, it's more often than not just an enlarged prostate, yep. not prostate cancer. So prostate cancer is silent, which is even more important that men get a blood test and get checked. Now, let's go back. What does the prostate do? So the purpose of the prostate is... When a man produces sperm, it's produced in his testicles and the sperm goes into what's called the seminal vesicles, which is attached to the prostate. And then when you have an orgasm, prostate um, is squeezed and it, um, the, seminal, the semen mixes with the prostate fluid and it comes out. So you need prostate fluid because it's got sugars and um, like fluid in it to keep the sperm alive while it's hopefully finding an egg to impregnate. So. Uh that's what the prostate does. That's its whole purpose. <laughs> the whole purpose, yes, and it causes all that problem. Um, with a vasectomy, does that change things? So the only difference with a vasectomy is that the sperm is still being produced, but it's in the testicles and it gets reabsorbed. So the whole myth of blue balls is not true. <laughs> you don't ejaculate your sperm, it just actually gets reabsorbed. And your prostate is still producing prostate fluid. So when you have an orgasm, you still ejaculate. It just, you're firing blanks. Okay, and that's from the prostate. Yeah, yep. Fantastic. So, yeah. So, um, well, you're on the other side, aren't you? You're helping once we've got prostate yep. problems. So uh, how do you go about that? Yeah, so basically on the outside of the prostate are these nerves, if you imagine them like Mickey Mouse ears that kind of are around the outside of the prostate. And the job of those nerves is to send a message to your brain to, send, to make your penis produce nitrous oxide gas, which then makes it dilate and blood goes in because it's the area of lowest pressure mm-hmm. and you get an erection. But after you've had treatment, either radiation or surgery, those nerves will go into a state which is called neuropraxia, but I just think of it as going to sleep. Okay. And then it's a bit like when you sit on your foot and you're watching telly and it goes to sleep and it takes a while to wake up. Those nerves take time to wake up. But the problem is, is if you don't exercise your penis in the meantime, 
that means that the tissues in the penis are degenerating and shrinking. So when men will say they have a shrunken penis after prostate cancer surgery, it's not the surgery, it's the lack of use after. Because in a healthy guy, he's getting three to five erections every night when he's asleep. And that stops when those nerves are asleep. So we need to do it for the penis to keep him healthy while we're waiting for them to wake up. And they usually take between a year and two years to wake up again. Okay, so it's just like a sports injury. If you do not do the exercise to get it back together, you're in trouble, aren't you? Well, that's right. If you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> it's a bit sad, really, because I think a lot of guys aren't told this. And so then they just leave it. The nerves might wake up, but their penis is shrunken and withered away, and then it's not going to work anyway. And that could have totally been avoided by just doing some simple exercises in that recovery period. Okay. So you designed the exercises and got the exercise regime out and uh, to follow? Yeah. That's right. So I like to um, consult with patients pre-treatment mm-hmm. and I see them post-treatment as well. I also have an online program that teaches men how to do this um, because a lot of my um, clients are in, up not in Western Australia and I have clients in countries all over the world. Um, and, so, and then also it's really beneficial if people can take a very low dose of a PDE5 medication such as Viagra or Cialis because that's pumps extra blood flow into the penis and around the nerves and helps better supply of oxygen and keeps things healthy. So there's some, it really, doing penile rehabilitation should only take 10 to 15 minutes a day mm-hmm. and it makes a massive difference to your long-term recovery. And I, I guess your partner has a, a part to play in that also, like uh, that's so much better if there is a partner there to help? Well, it certainly helps. Yeah. I think I think it it does help, but a lot of, you know, people are single in their Mm. early 50s, 60s, and I think, you know, you can do it by yourself. I mean, most people have had solo sex before, and, you know, this isn't about sex even. It's just like going to the gym and doing leg exercises. So if you want it to be pleasurable with or without a partner, great. And if, But it, it really is just like doing exercises, and I think it's separating your mind from sex and that. The other thing that I do as well is that it's a long time to wait a year to two years to be able to get an erection again. Um, so I also teach men how to use injections to get an erection straight away. Yeah. And that sounds horrendous, but it genuinely does not hurt. There is no nerve endings where the injection goes in. Um, some people react to the medication and they get pain, but there's other options that won't give you pain. Yeah. So I, I really encourage guys to do that too, because you don't want to wait a year or two. I think Having a functioning penis is a lot more than just being able to have sex. It's about masculinity and your self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm smiling there because Steve did a po- uh, had a poem about that, the injection and all that, so that's why I was laughing. It's a funny poem. <laughs> it was great. But I think the other thing is, is women often don't understand how this makes men feel less masculine. Yeah. And that kind of breaks my heart a bit because I think that if you ask the average woman, even if she's past childbearing years, if she was to get a double mastectomy, so a breast removed for breast cancer, they would feel really sad about their loss of femininity. Mm-hmm. That's the same for a man. Having a functioning penis and waking up in the morning and saying hello to your old mate that's been there for the last 40 years <laughs> is pretty important. And so it doesn't really matter if you have a partner or not. It's still important to feel that way. Because it is, as you said, the physicality and it's also the, um, the emotional and mentality of it too, isn't it? 
Definitely. You know, one in three men develop depression after prostate cancer treatment and it's not usually related to having cancer. It's usually related to either incontinence or impotence. Yeah. Both of which are are fixable. Because that's the other side effect, incontinence too, which is quite embarrassing for some men, I'd imagine. Yeah, so incontinence um, used to be a much bigger problem than it is now. So Joe, my partner on the podcast, she's a physiotherapist who specialises in um, getting men to train their pelvic floor and that is the key to getting dry again. And, you know, most men don't even know they have a pelvic floor until they get diagnosed with prostate cancer, um, something that we as women learn early on in, in our reproductive years but yeah. don't know about it and it's pretty easy as well to exercise you just need to be shown how to do it properly well i heard she gave a good um description of it like stand in front of the mirror naked and kind of kind of tense your uh, stomach and that and if your penis lifts up that's your pelvic floor muscles apparently exactly so the way i always say to my patients is that i'm sure when you're a teenager at some stage you waved to yourself in the mirror and very proud of it if you do that that's your pelvic floor <laughs> Okay, and there has to be a little bit of humour in it too, isn't there? Because it's uh, without uh, without humour, you know, you would go, yeah, you'd be a little bit sadder, wouldn't you? Oh, definitely, and I think it makes a big difference if you can laugh about it. And I think that's a little bit more difficult in this very politically correct world we have. Yes, but you know, laughing about it is it's funny. You know, we do funny things. You know, we need to laugh when we fart. We need to laugh if we leak wee a bit. You know, yeah. we, we need to try and see the humour in it because otherwise it is really sad. That's true. And we're all human bodies, so uh, we're all doing the same thing there. So, um, But Steve's doing a fantastic job with his poetry, reaching out to our men that, that probably would not get that message. Yeah, I think so. Well, just yesterday I had a guy in my clinic who listened to one of Steve's poems that we put on the podcast last week, which was called Lonely Nights. And he said to me, he'd been trying to explain to his wife how he felt. Mm-hmm. She just didn't get it. And he listened to that poem and then played it to her and she cried. And uh, I'm yeah. so sorry. I just haven't got it, but I get it now. Yeah. So I just think it's amazing. You know, different people need to hear messages in different ways. And his poetry, I think, says a lot of what a lot of other men feel, but they just haven't been able to articulate it. Yeah. Well, I found out from that night too that there is a local uh, prostate kind of uh, group of men getting together once a month. So uh, I mentioned that last and I'll look that up again, but it's on the council website, which I'll give later. But just, yeah, I never realised that too. So that was kind of covered up, but now that's, you know, out in the open. Yeah, and I think just talking about it, like the amount of guys I've seen, not just because... Even like erectile dysfunction, for instance, one in three men over 50 have erection problems, regardless of their prostate health. And one in two over 60. And when I say that to guys that come in to see me about their prostate, they'll go, what? So if I ask my mate, three or one, they'll go, yep. Then I'll start talking to them and next minute their mates will book in and go, I've got a problem with my erections too. Yeah, yeah. It's just so good. Like, this is great. If we can get men talking about this to each other, they help each other. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, asking that question and and letting the, making your mate comfortable to drop his guard and say, yes, that's the same thing with me. Yeah, exactly. And then you don't have to feel alone because just the same as women, we're all going through the same thing at the same age and we just need to talk about it to know so that we can get support from our friends. And I just think that that's the thing with the podcast that's been the best is it's real patient stories. Like you can hear from health professionals like me until you're blue in the face. It's not the same as hearing it from someone else who's been through it. Yeah, because you're up to nearly 200 um, episodes, aren't you? 
Yeah, we've been going for a couple of years now. We originally started it just because um, we thought our patients would enjoy to hear other guys doing the same thing and it just blew out completely and we've got like listeners all around the world now. So I think having the word penis in it kind of spiked people's attention. <laughs> <laughs> they just listen now. Well, I was going to say there was a story, wasn't there, about what you should call it? Yes, I wanted to call it the Willy Whisperer. Cause, uh, <laughs> that's what my brother calls, tells his friends I do for a job. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But Joe won. She wanted to put the word penis in it, and I think she was right. I, I think so, because, yeah, who knows what... Yeah, you're not going to look for Willy, I don't think. Yeah, no. You're going to look for penis, so I think you're done well. Um, where would we find the uh, Penis Project? So the Penis Project is on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. We also have a website, which is thepenisproject.org yep. in Oregon. Um, and also there's links on my website, which is rshealth.com and .com.au. And there's also, I have a website, melissahadleybarrett.com, which is all about penile rehabilitation for anyone who wants to know about that. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, I guess it's a growing problem too because we're an ageing population. Definitely, and I think also we're more aware now, so more people are getting tested. And, you know, the Royal College of GPs are going to be changing their guidelines soon so that, you know, more GPs will be testing regularly, which is good. I mean, prostate cancer has a 96 to 98% cure rate. So, I mean, that's amazing. So I just think if we people know and they can get treatment when they need it or we can watch and wait until they need it, then we're preventing long-term problems for people that they just could have avoided. Well, we'll be putting you out of a job almost. <laughs> well, I think um, the surgeons are getting so good at surgery now that so many guys are recovering so quick. I, I will be out of a job yeah. in the next 10 years. I imagine <laughs> I'll be able to wave a magic wand and it'll all be fine. Because um, it's also genetic, isn't it? Like if, you've, if your dad has had prostate cancer, you should really test for it. That's right. So if your father, grandfather or uncle has had prostate cancer, you're more likely. It's the same, it's attached to the same gene as breast cancer, the BRCA gene. Okay. And um, so that's important. And also I always ask men when I meet them if they have any sons. And if they do, then I'll say, make sure your sons start getting tested regularly at 40. Yep. Um, because what you want is a baseline PSA and then notice when it goes up. Because some people don't have an elevated PSA but still have prostate cancer and it's if you looked back on their PSSAs, theirs would be elevated just not in the range so starting early for men with that as a family history is really good yeah yeah and no, that sounds good um so well give us your website again so we can yeah if anyone can get in contact with you if they need to yeah, sure so it's just my name melissahadleybarrett.com or rshealth.com.au i'll just google the penis project and that will come up yeah and the penis project is thepenisproject.org Fantastic. Well, um, thanks so much because um, you're over in Perth, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, so uh, how's the weather over there? Good? It's raining, which is weird. Oh, it's so you... nice. All of Easter was beautiful and now it's raining. But <laughs> I had a farmer in as a patient for the last one and he was very excited about the rain. So yeah. I suppose it's a good thing. That's good, yeah. Well, thanks again. Uh, we'll check in maybe towards the end of the year to see how you're going. And uh, I'll, I'll catch up with Steve a fair bit at a poetry night. So, um, yeah, I'll keep in touch with that and uh, maybe even get him back on air too. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I'm bringing a book out of his poetry soon too, which I think will be fantastic. Oh, that'll be great. Well, you're going to have to come over to Melbourne to, uh, yeah, to, uh, for the launch of that. Yes, I'd love to. Oh, we'd love to see you here. No.
right. All right, Melissa. Big, big thanks for that. And uh, yes, uh, I will spread the word down here about it. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, I'm Melissa and I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Just a reminder, if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, I've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you. It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com com and you can start straight away or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man Victories become mine I cry his tears